afraid that we're on the cusp of a new generation of exploitation. Panent potentially harnessing hacked personal information to enable tailored and targeted disinformation in social engineering efforts. That future should concern us all. As someone who was involved in the tech industry for more than 20 years, I respect what this industry represents. And I don't envy the significant technical and policy challenges you face. But the size and reach of your platforms demand that we as policymakers do our job to ensure proper oversight, transparency, and protection for American users and our democratic institutions. The era of the Wild West in social media is coming to an end. And just like that, Open Source returns for another edition of the greatest podcast ever. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. My name is Forever Mike, a.k.a. Mr. Handsome, also known as Mr. Good-looking, nice-looking, attractive, personable, striking, stunning, fine, well-proportioned, well-formed, hunky, dishy, hot, gorgeous, tasty, fanciable, and fit. You know you can't be prosecuted for that! In other words, I'm very, very attractive. Yes, and you better believe that. Follow this attractive man on Twitter at ForeverSeason22, also on Instagram at ForeverSeason22 also. In today's episode of the podcast, we take a dip into the wild, wild west of technology. COVID-19 seems to have affected all the industries on this planet and technology has not been left out. How is the tech industry reacting to the pandemic? How can we as citizens learn from all of this? Stick around and find out. Before I continue, I just want to say a big thank you to Baraza. Ah, not that Baraza. I mean this Baraza. Baraza Media Lab, the newest kid on the block for creatives and journalists in Kenya. Thank you so much to the whole team at Baraza Lab for sponsoring and supporting this podcast. By the way, you need to join Baraza Media Lab as well. If you're a creative, this is the space for you. Baraza Media Lab are in the forefront of supporting collaborative storytelling ideas, and they are also very keen on raising the skill and capacity of media practitioners in Kenya. They are providing an environment for new business models to emerge and are aiming to build a community of like-minded media practitioners committed to acting in the public interest. So if you want to join Baraza Media Lab, all you have to do is call 0700-046-018. That is 0700-046-018. Or you can visit their website, www.barazalab.com. Catch them also on social media, on Twitter at Baraza Lab, on Instagram at Baraza Media Lab, and on Facebook at Baraza Lab. Baraza Media Lab is located in Westlands in Nairobi, Kenya. You can find them at 95 Riverside Drive, Keystone Park, on the second floor of Block B. Great, so now you know where to go. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up there, hold up there. Uh-huh. Calm down there, boy. Calm down, calm down. Great, now that we have that under control, it's time to saddle up and ride west.
Welcome to the new frontier. This is the wild, wild west. This place you see here has all the big names. Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, Google, IBM, HP, and Lenovo. These are the companies that quote-unquote run things in these parts. It wasn't always like this for tech companies. To explain further on how far these guys have come, I need to tell you about the Lone Ranger. Uh-huh. I'm joking. Let's talk about the tech bubble of the 1990s. The dot-com bubble, also known as the dot-com boom, the tech bubble, and the internet bubble, was a stock market bubble caused by excessive speculation in internet-related companies in the 1990s. This period showed a massive growth in the use and the adoption of the internet. Between 1995 and its peak in March 2000, the Nasdaq Composite Stock Market Index rose by 400%. Yes, 400 it rose by 400% only to fall by 78% from its peak by October 2002, giving up all its gains during the bubble. Now, during the crash, many online shopping companies, as well as several communication companies, such as WorldCom, North Point Communications, and Global Crossing, failed and shut down. So you're probably wondering, why? Why did they shut down? What happened? Well, the year is 1993. The release of Mosaic and subsequent web browsers gave computer users access to the World Wide Web. Internet use increased as a result of the reduction of the digital divide, and so society also saw an increase in advances in connectivity, uses of the internet, and computer education. The internet was the place to be. Because of this, many investors were eager to invest at any valuation in any dot-com company, especially if a dot-com suffix was in its name. Bad idea. At the height of the boom, it was possible for a promising dot-com company to become a public company via an IPO and raise a substantial amount of money even if it had never made a profit. Fuego! Or, in some cases, had never even realized any material revenue. Like I said, bad idea. People who received employee stock options became instant paper millionaires when their companies executed IPOs. However, most employees were barred from selling shares immediately due to lockup periods. Dot-com companies spent heavily on advertising and promotions to harness network efforts to build market share as fast as possible. The mottos they used were unbelievable. Get big fast, get large or get lost. It was all about making the most money in the shortest amount of time. These companies offered their services or products for free or at a discount with the expectation that they could build enough brand awareness to charge profitable rates for their services in the future. Like I keep saying, this was a bad, bad, bad idea. Now, by this point, two big mistakes had been made. One was the use of metrics that ignored cash flow. Many analysts focused on aspects of individual businesses that had nothing to do with how they generated revenue or their cash flow. For example, one theory is that the internet bubble burst due to a preoccupation with the network theory, which stated that the value of a network increased exponentially as a series of nodes, that is the computers, increased. Although this concept made sense, it neglected one of the most important aspects of valuing the network, the ability of the company to use the network to generate cash and 
produce profits for its investors. The second mistake, stocks were significantly overvalued. In addition to focusing on unnecessary metrics, analysts used very high multipliers in their models and formulas for valuing internet companies. This resulted in unrealistic and overly optimistic values. Although more conservative analysts disagreed, their recommendations were virtually drowned out by the overwhelming hype in the financial community around internet stocks. Wow, what a great recipe for disaster. By the turn of the new millennium, the bubble had burst. Case in point, Yahoo, a company that had acquired several companies for billions of dollars in stock, only to shut them down a few years later. After the scandal that was the dot-com bubble, tech companies were very hard to take seriously. But now, that's a very different story. Giants have risen to take over what was then seen as a big facade and an incredible hoax. Companies have now advanced in introducing new technology. Streaming, social media, clicks, subscriptions, software, smartphones, the once outlawed lands had made way for a new type of sheriff. What could have possibly gone wrong? There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as a elephant's eye. And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a beautiful feeling. Everything's going my way. Well, the COVID-19 happened. And guess what? the technology sector did not see this coming. Just like a robbery from an outlaw or having bandits catch up with you, this was something they couldn't anticipate. So what has been the COVID-19 impact on the global tech goods and services industry? Well, first of all, shipments have been affected. As soon as the severity of the coronavirus was understood, it was clear that the virus was going to have a significant impact on the global tech industry. China is a major manufacturing center with facilities producing parts and components and pumping them through the global supply chain. Smartphone vendors has shipped 36.5 million fewer devices in the first quarter of 2020 than in the first quarter of 2019. Another effect on technology has been the delays in the supply chain. The global semiconductor industry is set to suffer a decline in 2020 due to the coronavirus outbreak with disruption to technology supply chain inevitable. According to a March 2020 survey, 70% of global electronics manufacturers reported that their suppliers are advising a two to four week delay. However, manufacturers stated that realistically they were expecting an additional eight week delay. A recent survey of electronics manufacturing companies and suppliers showed that consumer electronics is the sector likely to face the biggest impact of supply chain delays. COVID-19 will impact differently in different tech sectors. Let's take a look at semiconductors. Because of COVID-19, devices are expected to see a negative growth in 2020. However, increases in cloud computing and work-from-home technology will drive demand for chips in PCs and servers. In this sector, there will be an increase in long-term demand driven by greater adoption of cloud and mobility solutions. 
the need for work-from-home solutions will drive increased demand for laptops and cloud computing solutions. But larger program purchases will likely decline in the near term. Long-term forecasts for enterprise technology are likely to change dramatically. In consumer technology, recession fears and discretionary income reduction will reduce overall spending while there are positive signs in personal computing purchases in the near term. Pent-up consumer demand will be released after the crisis, meaning long-term demand forecasts should experience minimal change. Manufacturers Manufacturers may be forced to reduce output because of labor issues and intellectual property restrictions that keep production in certain countries, some of which may be shut down due to the virus. Logistics Even in the last mile, logistics will be hampered by border closings and legal restrictions. With shutdown sales venues lacking either staff to sell or customers to sell to, the need to deliver direct to customer will increase. How can tech companies plan for the future? Number one, sense and reconfigure. They need to identify what may be different about the reality of the situation and reconfigure their response as necessary. They should ask themselves to redesign their network and inventory flow. Have they uncovered insights that will help them improve demand planning for the short and long term? Have they developed new ways for working at all levels of the company? They should take a look at the supply chain. They should add dynamic sourcing and inventory, supply and demand planning, improve long-term supply and demand stability, and assess and redesign network and inventory flow paths. Next, scaling and maintaining. Six months from now, companies should think about making more lasting changes, like diversifying their supply chain to increase resilience in the face of future disruptions. They should make the best parts of remote work a permanent part of their culture. Now, this wouldn't be a technology segment if I didn't touch on the issue of cybersecurity. Now, with more people working from home, a new challenge arises in the form of cybersecurity breaches and malware attacks. Cybercriminals disguised as alarming COVID-19 news reports have also been reported, targeting the global workforce with phishing emails containing malicious software. According to cybersecurity firms, bank employees should be vigilant about such attacks that hack into the system to carry out data thefts. IT teams need to reassess their security threats and ensure that their company's firewall, antivirus protection, and other security features that demand authentication are in place to mitigate malware risks. A VPN or a virtual private network is another trusted tool that will secure the remote office environment for proactive organizations. The workforce should be educated about such tools and the importance of maintaining security hygiene when remote working is the norm. The COVID-19 outbreak is causing widespread concern and economic hardship for consumers, businesses, and communities across the globe. Most companies already have business continuity plans, but those may not fully address the fast-moving and unknown variables of an outbreak like COVID-19. Here are some of the issues that may be a big problem for tech companies during this period. Number one is crisis management and response. Business continuity planning does not account for the uncertainty of an evolving pandemic. Some of the steps to consider for crisis management and response are appointing a central accountable leader supported by a cross-functional team to manage this continually evolving crisis. Next, create a framework for data analysis and decision-making. Run simulation exercises based on realistic scenarios in the short, medium, and long term. And finally, seek outside help as needed. Another problem that may emerge is the workforce. 
Staffing concerns ramp up for full-time employees as well as part-time workers such as drivers and retail staff who often work as contractors. A slowdown in recruiting resulting from the crisis could affect a future pipeline of skilled workers. Also, cybersecurity risks are likely to rise as a result of more people working remotely. Some of the steps to consider to handle workforce issues include determining which critical functions must remain on-site and which can be remote, communicating clearly, accurately, and often about health and safety considerations. Also, showcasing cyber-safe platforms that support remote employees. Having fewer workers in the office makes it easier for those whose jobs require them to be there. Another problem is operations and supply chain. Production slows as a result of global supply chain disruption. Cash flow challenges will test undercapitalized companies and may require alternative sourcing and or the need to subsidize during crisis to confirm readiness in its aftermath. As companies seek business solutions to address remote work, social distancing and the need for in-store alternatives, the demand for developer and engineering talent is likely to increase. Retaining top talent will be essential. Some of the steps to consider to help with this will be to activate contingency planning for vendor management, anticipate and plan for supply chain modifications, reset models with emphasis on supply chain and manufacturing footprint, move quickly to counter disinformation as it occurs, and communicate with employees, customers, and business partners. The next issue, financial reporting. Operational workforce and supply chain disruptions will trigger financial reporting implications in current and future reporting periods. Public companies will face increasing pressure to disclose revised guidance related to the COVID-19 impact. Some ways to solve this will include to evaluate financial reporting requirements and audit impact, to revisit key assumptions in financial projections, and to communicate current and potential future impacts to shareholders. Next up, tax and trade. New state and local tax implications arise for workers who are now remote as a result of the crisis. Tax compliance operations could lag as newly remote employees lack timely access to information, will affect forecasts. To solve this, tech companies will need to craft a contingency plan to meet tax compliance obligations on time, improve tech-enabled functionality to confirm timely access to required information, and to conduct additional modeling to assess how changes to income statements will affect forecasts. Up next, strategy. Sudden or prolonged economic downturn will lead to companies considering significant budget cuts that eliminate discretionary spending. Remote work, online education, and social distancing will create demand for products and services delivered by the tech industry. The crisis underscores the need for flexible, resilient business models, including increased focus on cash flow forecasting and impacts on supply chain and commercial channel partners. Company valuations may become more attractive for acquisitions by cash-rich companies that have been sitting on the sidelines while keeping targets in mind. Some steps to consider for this will include scan for M&A opportunities to shore up resilience, re-evaluate cost structure, and prepare for a slowdown by assessing which organizational levers to pull. Finally, customer issues. Some tech sector companies rely on overseas consumption, which has slowed since the outbreak. Customers are delaying purchases because the pandemic has pushed an already uncertain global economy. Technology support may struggle to keep up with the increased customer needs on applications. Some ways to handle this will include reprioritizing limited supply to the most profitable regions, segments, and customers, teaming with technology channel partners to understand where future demand can be generated in the short term, such as in countries not as hard hit by the virus, 
And finally, evaluating pricing actions and other countermeasures to bolster current and future quarterly demands. Now, despite all the COVID-19 issues happening in the world right now, there are some companies that are doing something to help with the pandemic. Apple has donated 15 million US dollars towards the global COVID-19 response, as well as efforts to lower the economic effect. It is also matching its employee donations two to one on a national and international level. Now, Apple has donated 10 million masks to the medical community in the United States of America. Apple is continuing to pay all its hourly workers even though they can't go to work. This includes people in all its offices and retail stores. Amazon, on the other hand, is opening 100,000 new jobs to support extra deliveries and provide a source of income for those who have lost their jobs because of the crisis. Amazon is also increasing the pay of its employees by $2 per hour from their hourly pay of $15 per hour. It also goes without saying that Amazon has been consulting with health and safety officials to ensure the safety of its employees and its goods. Now, there's a lot that we can say about COVID-19 and its effect on the tech industry. But one thing is for sure, the wild, wild west of technology will definitely go through some changes when the COVID-19 pandemic subsides. It was a humble beginning for an industry that is now having to eat humble pie. Where will the tech industry go from here? How will it survive after this whole situation? That we will just have to wait and see. This is Deputy Forever Mike signing out. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to catch me on Twitter at ForeverSeason22 and on Instagram at ForeverSeason22 also. In the meantime, all we can do is just sit, relax, and... Oh,